You're tuned in to the biggest balls of them all. That's right. Playing with Balls podcast. We got sports and comedy for that ass. You about to go downtown, bitch, on the only podcast that sports platinum and brunette chicks. That's right. Playing with Balls podcast, you dig? So we have Jono Wilson here. Hello. Jono in the house. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Jono, I have a question for you off the bat. Yes. Why are you wearing a sweater? Uh, because it's <laughs> under 80 degrees in L.A. And when I, you live in L.A. for more than two years, your body composition totally changes. I, well, I was like, are you afraid my air conditioning is going to give you a cold or something? I'm actually completely comfortable. Okay, good, good. And I have... Yeah, I'm dressed like it's, you know, fall in Massachusetts. Yeah, you uh, because when you walked in, just to give everyone a visual, you're wearing a sweater and jeans. I'm wearing yeah. shorts and a, a short sleeve t-shirt and I'm sweating. I don't know. And I've lived here I've lived here for 11 years by the way. So like Well then I I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. but Maybe I I am a, I'm a powerful sweater. I mean, really? it's just yeah. I that's a powerful sweater start... and I'm a powerful sweater. That's very good. That's <laughs> yeah. very good. Very punny, yes. Yeah, very punny. Go ahead. Uh no, I um I swear to God, like if I go back east and it's the fall or winter or early, early spring, the cold gets into my bones so hard <laughs> that I, I vow to myself I'll never live on the East Coast I again. absolutely understand that. Yeah. I I never felt like the biggest... the biggest little bitch in the whole wide yes. world i had to go on this group trip i was on, in this california leadership program in like 2012 or 2013 or whatever uh -huh. we went to dc and everyone's from california except for me i'm the only person that's from new from the east coast i'm from new from not california yeah and because it was a california-based program so everyone's like you know it, it was exceptionally cold in dc yes. just exceptionally frigid yeah. and i had like winter coats gloves hats everything i was a mess like i we were outside all day looking at war monuments and i wanted to kill myself <laughs> i actually took a selfie of my frozen face behind like a gun barrel yeah. and i was like i'm please I'm, work. I should be dead. Like, yeah. like it was. It's actually a, a really sad picture, and it. But it, <laughs> it was supposed to be funny, but you look back. Yeah, on it, because like, I so and they sad. were and everyone was making fun of me because they're like, "You're the only person that's from here," and I'm like, "I don't care what you say." There's a scientific fact yes. that if you live, you grow up in a cold climate and you leave, and your body adapts to a warm climate, warm climate, and then you go back, your blood thins. I swear to God. I remember vividly in February when I was probably, I was still at St. Mary's School in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, so I was under the age of 10. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was February, and it was 33 degrees out. Right. And I walked outside to the bus with shorts on, and my mom was like, you can't do that. And I was like, it's so warm compared to the rest of the winter. Like, I, I need to, I'm so happy I can wear shorts. <laughs> and now I'm wearing a sweater when it's 77 <laughs> degrees. I know, it's like old man Jono here. I know, I know. Um, I had to wait till we were on the podcast to ask you about the sweater. <laughs> that was smart, that was smart. Honestly, though, when, like, cause you know, I grew up in Philly, and so I yeah. have like, you know, some, some level of tough love in my family. Yes. And so my dad's always like, what's the matter with you? Did you, you got thin blood? now your blood thinned and i'm like yeah 
Yeah. Scientifically, That's it actually, actually yeah, has, yeah. Dad. So it's not, you're not making fun of me. Yeah, it's even actually. You're saying it as a joke. Yeah. Or you're saying it to be a dick. Like yeah. it's actually a, re- actually it's a real true. thing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I think, I mean, I hate to say this, but because of global warming, have you noticed, like, when you go back east for, like, Christmas or anything like yeah. that, it's warmer? There's never snow. I mean, and in a way, I'm like, well, at least, you know, my body can deal with this, but it's true, terrible, but you it know? Sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Uh, a, a non white Christmas is never. No, I have. I haven't had a white Christmas in a long time. Although yeah. I, I have to say, I've never spent an, a Christmas on the West Coast ever. I have had one Christmas in the Caribbean with my family. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was nice, but it wasn't the same. Like, it doesn't feel like it's Christmas. It just feels like you wake yeah. up and you should have a rum punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you need, you need like, the the whole experience for yeah. Christmas. And that's why, it's not like why I go back east, but it's like, you know, that's where all my family lives yeah, and right, stuff. And, and same with you. Now your brother yeah. lives there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pete was out here for a while. He was out here for a while with... Uh, the dreams of starting the real world entourage. And it just <laughs> he worked at an agency and wanted to blow his brains out. And he's like, I'm sorry, it's just not for me. I can't. I can't understand. Yeah, I. I. I met somebody else that I don't know if he came here for that, but I met somebody else that I used to date that said he originally moved to LA to be a man, a talent manager, and yeah. I was like, what? And he's like, I fucking hated it. I'm like, Yeah, I get that, but like, why did you think that that you would like it? I don't <laughs> think that people like. People watch Entourage and they're like, oh, just be E. I'll just have to like read cool or scripts. Ari. Or Ari. And like, Who's like yeah. a badass. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or like, I'll just drive my buddy's car around while he makes millions of dollars. But they don't realize that that is, like, there is a 1% in America and there's a 1% in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, and we're the 99% and we're not doing that poorly either. Right. I would say everything's okay. Everything's great. Yeah, I think everything's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I I, I think a lot of people have a perception about LA, by the way, because, you know, even my family or like friends of mine, they're just, they're like, oh, you see famous people every day. Yes. And 90210 was a thing when we were younger, like right. Entourage, like blah, blah, yeah. blah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's actually like all those places you see, though, are like, yeah, shitty like you know yeah, no, but nobody wants to live in hollywood no but nobody hollywood kno- is terrible nobody knows that no and i swear even when i have people come visit they're like they'll stay in hollywood even though i'm like you have to stay in west la if you want to see me yes. and like people like this one guy that i was really good friends with from ireland is like oh i'm in he's like i'm here i'm in hollywood i'm like i'm not gonna see you because first of all i'm annoyed that you didn't listen to where i told you to stay right. second of all it you're you're have your experience. That, it's so you know? seedy. It's so seedy. It's, it's so gross. It's very gross. If I see, I don't leave really the West Side unless I have to for work. Right. Like, but like, and it's, if something's in North Hollywood, I'm like, oh, oh my god, awful. You and know. Also, I think that we as West Siders uh, get the short end of the stick because we, at least I, am always going over to the other side of the 405 for my friends. Right. And very few. Come to this side, and you know who you are if you're listening. <laughs> you are good friends. And the rest of you, I mean, we'll see what happens. Acquaintances, maybe, yeah, at this maybe point, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, I know, but it's true. But, you know, and comedy over here just isn't as good. That, and that's a big part no, of it. No, it's true. It's and, totally true. And I and think... I, God, I miss O'Brien's. Oh, my God. Do you... So, you know what's so funny? I, I Every guest that I've had in as long as... in. in 
probably since Jenna in June. Yeah. Um, she was my first solo guest since I started solo hosting. From that point forward, for just whatever reason, O'Brien's is on every podcast. People really? that consistently listen to this podcast know everything about O'Brien's. We got to get, this, then everybody that's listening, we need to get O'Brien's to open. But I mean, these are people in like, States like Missouri. Let's just they just start know what it sending is. Sending emails. <laughs> we have to figure out the email to the person that can help. Seriously. This well, here's and you know, it's yeah. Killing me. Well, here's the thing. What I didn't realize until later, and probably in part because of the podcast, is that a lot of us met that way. Like I met you at O'Brien's. You at O'Brien's. Yeah, through comedy. Yeah, totally. Through, through the comedy show that I used to host one. Jenna used to host another, and then. Nick Lafond and somebody else but I uh, it was like a really good place for comedians like a bar like something I hope later when they're all doing our E! True Hollywood stories we're like yeah I met him at O'Brien's totally. or back at O'Brien's you I know remember, I remember watching there was something that I was watching about stand-up comedians and they were like and they all used to do it at a small bar and like no it was so gross and disgusting and they all like loved it and I was like that's my O'Brien's that's like, O'Brien's that is like this small bar where for some reason it was the best but also most honest vibe like yeah it wasn't the best because everybody would laugh at everything you did but everyone was like okay i see what you're going for yeah at least you'd get that kind of laugh yeah 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 yeah. like they appreciated like taking risks and it wasn't to be fair like an open mic but yeah it was a really good workout room. Totally. And I just thoroughly enjoyed like seeing my friends. It was like 100%. cheers for comedians. Yes. You know? And just like being like Thursday night is we kind need of one to of my create, nights out. Yeah, because sure. it's a Thursday. It's so a it's Thursday. like, what do I really have to do tomorrow? You do the show, and then you just like are hang happy out. and you just have a bunch of drinks. And you and like you know a bunch of people there, even yeah. if they weren't performing that night. So yes. yeah, I feel the same exact way. And so I feel like a piece of me is missing since O'Brien's and it's totally been great. literally a year and a half now and oh we need, we need to create another like cheers for comedians kind of a place. I agree. Because like, ma- like we can talk about main street Santa Monica offline, but, yeah. um, well, we also know that there is a crew in this area totally. at least that will do that. Right. You know? And, and like even that's when you can get comedians to come over right. from area, like if they don't live on the West side and West side is, for anybody that doesn't know Santa Monica, Venice, Marina Del Rey and whatever yes. else. What yeah. else? I don't know. Uh, I think that's Playa Vista maybe. Yeah, but I think we're really just talking about like Santa Monica, Venice. Santa Monica, Venice right? pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Marina Del Rey like a, like can like hop on board a little we'll bit. Mess but around with it every sometimes, now and then. Sometimes, yeah. You know. Sometimes I think Marina Del Rey is Venice so like it, it can, yes. you know, there's parts of it yeah. but yeah, to the for the most part it's Santa Monica and Venice but I, yeah, I think that that's um, an important component of like the community Median world, okay. Yeah. That's where I first saw you do stand up, but yeah. you were mostly doing improv, and I yeah. feel like we talked about it um, on the last time because you're my you're my this is your second time on the podcast, and you're actually the only guest I've had. You're my first second timer. Is that, is that the, right? You are. Wow. So thank congrats. You. Well, because the podcast so hasn't also been around for that long, but that's not why. Um, but we had talked. <laughs> 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 but we had talked about having you on for like a while. Yeah. Um, and also, 
because you have done some more sports related cool things that I really want to talk about with yeah. the DraftKings. Yes. Um, you are two, you have two uh, playing with balls, home run derbies under your belt. That's true. Yeah. And uh, with the dunk tank and all that, that yeah. was pretty fun, wasn't it? It was a blast. Yeah. And then it's just been a while. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to have you on as a second timer. I'm, I'm actually now thinking about all the, um, you know, landmarks in my life that have to do with playing with balls and I'm very proud of that. <laughs> I've, I've really accomplished a lot in this world. You have. Which is great. You have. I mean, this is actually, actually, technically, this is your third time because... No, fourth time. This is what are we because saying? Because I talk on the, uh, yeah. the Home Run Derby. Yeah, so your Home Run Derby at O'Brien's yes. first time. That was, was a, a, it, Oh, that was so fun. It was a blast, but it was a fucking disaster. Well, it wasn't was actually... Because it wasn't a podcast yet. We, were, uh, we weren't podcasting oh, at that time. Okay. It was So uh, my former co-host and I, Rachel, f- for Playing With Balls, we started on something called Rabble TV. Uh-huh. So we were calling... Uh, uh, like events live so we we were like sports announcers basically oh, cool. on rabble tv but yeah. it was a disaster because it was like loud and like i was super am- i mean i'm gonna blame myself for this i was super amateur at the time so i was like just getting really excited about like facebook living and like being on instagram with everything and like looking was, at the dares i mean it was like in the middle of a bar yeah so i mean i well it was and then that too there's like too much like stimulation in yeah, the environment right. and then i'm talking into the microphone as a third person like trying to like in, do an instagram story while like two other people are talking and i'm like that's fucking terrible people were like we can't hear you this is well, bad but know, whatever part of the playing with balls podcast so you're okay no 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 it's not so thank god and if it's it was not, i would have deleted it anyway it's just a blemish it, it, it was a you know what it, it's just like any, we were talking about this before the podcast you step up to the plate you right. you figure it out and sometimes you're an amateur at first but then the next time you do it so like the next home run derby we had that was a completely different experience oh it was awesome that was the July event that we had. It's on the podcast. Yep. It's a two. No, I did. I think I did the whole thing as a podcast. It was a two part video I did yeah. as well. Um, that was so cool. That was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun. I, the worst part about it was getting was losing your guy in the home run derby. But then you got to go in the dunk tank. Well, and you because nobody. I mean, everybody cheated. Everybody. With the dunk tank. Did anybody like legit? Get it? I don't think so. I, I think you actually hit it once. I did, but nobody was in but nobody there. Nobody was in there. Um, and then when somebody was in there, um, I of course missed three times. But you got him for me, and it, uh, Andy I came around the yeah, because yeah, yeah. And then so the worst thing that happened was that um, yeah. It, I mean, being in the dunk tank really wasn't that bad. But, that was great. But probably like if you didn't win, just because winning's cool, and then your water bill because I had to use yeah, all your that's water. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because we couldn't get Andy who's the where the venue was in Venice, we couldn't get we couldn't figure out how to turn his water on and right. and he also apparently doesn't know either because he's like, What do you mean guys? He just turned it on and we're like, Andy, you have a very fancy this is Andy Lazarus where he's been on the beautiful podcast. Home. Yeah, beautiful home, but he has a very fancy sprinkler system that clearly he doesn't know how to operate. Yeah. So he's like, just turn the water on and I'm like, You would think at most people's homes, but yours just goes into like a sprinkler like thingy. Oh god. And you live next door. I didn't even know why that was. Brooke just like 
text that's why and was like, that's why hey. I was like yeah of course like he thought we were like why don't you guys know how to like turn on the water we're like because you don't know how to turn on the water but <laughs> anyway that's a whole other story but yeah, you happen to live next door so yes. we had to use like I don't remember how many gallons of water it was, but I know it was a lot. It was a decent amount. Yeah, yeah it was a lot of water. <laughs> it took like two two or three hours to fill legit, that thing up. Yeah, it was a legit dunk tank. Yeah, that was really cool. So I think yeah. we'll do a home run derby event like every year. Yeah. I don't know if we'll do dunk tank every year, but I think that was like a cool like experience well, you know i'm honored to uh be here from the get-go yes yeah. well so thanks for being yeah, here of um and i mean already on the last you know we might repeat ourselves but the last time you were on the podcast we talked about you know new england fan blah, blah, blah. like i actually yeah. don't dislike new england but i mean we're just not going to get into that okay That's fine That's unless fine. you want to talk about like them getting their ass kicked when the Kansas City game because that was pretty crazy. But other, I mean, no, otherwise, I mean the last time that they lost the first game of the season, they won the Super Bowl. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Good comeback, Thank very you. quick, right there. You know, I'm actually a Tom Brady fan, and I will say, I, I am, I am a Tom Brady fan. I yeah, I appreciate, that. I appreciate the quarterbacking. But I was just gonna say, you know, every, I feel like for whatever reason, a lot of the guests that I've had just too lately are just like New England fans, and I'm just like, we can't, we just can't like no, talk about I New England, you know. I mean, I get it. Like, we can talk about, like, how terrible, like, Bill Belichick, like, dresses and, like, sure. he should brush his hair or whatever. But, like, I, I I just really feel like it's, like, we get it. Like, if you're a New England fan, that's awesome. And, you know. I mean, we're we're lucky to be New England fans. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, I, you know where I'm coming from here. Yes. Winning is for the birds. I mean, I there's know. it's a double entendre. It's yes. a Yeah. It's a, it is. It is. And, you know, I, I have LeGarrette Blount on, on one of my fantasy teams. Oh, how so. That going for you. First week he was pretty good. Last yeah, week he last, didn't do anything. I actually asked my brother where he went last week because they didn't even give him the ball. They no. it was all Woodhead. Yeah. Uh, or Smallwood. I'm the sorry, Smallwood. I got him yeah, mixed yeah, up. Yeah. Smallwood. Woodhead yeah. Smallwood. Um yeah, I have no idea what, what they were doing. I mean, it maybe it was it was obviously a different strategy because of Kansas City and you know, yeah. our coach is the is the protege of Andy Reid, so there was some of an idea there of what to do. Totally. I mean, I I think that I I think that um, the like trying to base your team on a running back nowadays is like so impossible because everybody has two or three running backs that are just sharing workloads. I. I think this this is a really tough year for running backs. And yep. I remember it being really tough like three years ago or something. And it's and it wasn't like that last year. So from a fantasy standpoint, absolutely. Because there is like like I have this guy Mixon, you know, the Yeah the, on on the uh Browns. On the Brown oh, no no he's no, uh, the Bengals. Bengals. Uh, Bengals. Uh yeah, the guy with a lot of controversy yeah. around him. Um I have him and it's like he could be amazing or right. he might not be. But then like I'm my starters are Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde. Like that's and just Carlos Hyde actually, is like good. He's no, Carlos really good. Hyde killed it this past yeah. week. No, I think he's gonna be really good this season, but it was more like an intuition of like if you're gonna pick up two starting guys in twenty seventeen you got to go like like you got to go with your gut because there's no like clear no. other than Le'Veon Bell. Yep. Uh, I didn't even like David Johnson as a pick. And guess what? He's gone. Gone. Yeah. And we have I, no, no idea who his, ba who his backup is yeah. yet either. I have um, Leonard Fournette. Oh, Fournette's a good one. Who I have uh, who I did a DraftKings thing with. Oh, you did. Yeah. I didn't know that. That comes out uh, I think next week. Actually, Jameis Winston's <gasps> episode with me I think should be out. 
today. Okay, so I want to say um, we have to explain what it is because yes. I have only seen the Marshawn Lynch one. Right. But I think I might have been looking at the wrong thing, so it's good for people to know how they can watch it. Yeah. Um, but I saw when you made Marshawn Lynch get a pedicure. Right. And then I saw something about Chris Jericho. Is that something? Or uh, No, it's just that I've found out that um, especially through this DraftKings stuff, when I look at comments on anything, any video that I'm in, if I actually look at comments, people say that I look like Chris Jericho. Interesting. And it's I don't in know. every different format. I get Chris Jericho. Which really? I've never been like a huge WWE fan. Right, right. I don't follow it really. But I can see it. I, I yeah, see I it. could I mean, I'm just like uh, yeah, and I could. also I watched like I watched an old clip of him and he's hilarious. So I'm going to yeah. take that as maybe maybe that's why people th- I'm, it I probably like he's too. hilarious and you kind of look like him. Maybe. I mean, your hair is different, but like yes. you do sort of look like him, I think. I guess, um, but on because uh, I did because uh, when I did the episode with Jameis Winston. So I guess I'll I love Jameis Winston, by the way. He's on my fantasy team. He's a great dude. Yeah. Uh, I'll explain what it is. First. OK, so I am. Um, I do the Groundlings. Right. Um, and in the Groundlings Sunday Company, they have like our website where it has a background of what you've done. Right. And on mine, it says that I am Coach Brubaker in NBA 2K17. Right. The video game. And uh, so I get my managers tell me that uh, DraftKings had contacted them and they were like, we saw Jono's profile on Groundlings because they looked at like Groundlings UCB and maybe second city because they were looking for some people that were uh used to doing improv right and they were like he has a sports thing in his little bio let's contact him right so i had a skype session with the a couple guys from DraftKings and great great people and uh they're based in boston so we had to do the skype oh thing. that's so cool so you get to go yeah. do you have to go do, is that where you've had to go to like no Oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. So we just did a Skype thing and we talked to each other and I was like, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. And but it's like a good connection. Yeah, and all totally, that stuff. totally. Yeah. And um, we just talked about sports and the stuff that I do. And uh, we just got along really well. And, and I talked more about like, I remember they, they said, like, you know, we do a lot of interviewing type things. Who do you think would be some people who'd be interested in an interview? Uh-huh. And I start. I can't even really remember everybody that I said, but I remember saying like Isaiah Thomas after last Ooh, year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be Celtics a good one because yeah. Not only did he have a insane year of his life while making it really far in the playoffs, yeah. But he is also one of like who else is five nine or under in the NBA that you remember? It's like him, Spud Webb, like right. Who else? You, know? you uh, no, uh, you're absolutely Nate Robinson, I guess, and and that's really it. And I mean, those are the tallest people in sports are yes. the NBA. And then also he had you know to overcome a lot of it. Not only he's not only overcoming the adversity. We have Callie the Bulldog here yes. barking at nothing because I already told. Jono and you are actually have experience with this. This is what she does yeah. when we start talking into microphones. She's just growling. She she wants to be in the podcast uh, and she's angry that she's not. But I always tell her, if you can figure out how to speak English and add value you're to in. the podcast, you're in. Otherwise, um, you're taking a you're taking a back seat, lady. Which you actually know? sounds like the easiest, like she has the easiest road to getting on this podcast. She doesn't have to have 
any background in comedy or sports. No, exactly. And she just has to say words. She just has to say words. And so instead, she gets angry because I, I can hear her growling. And um, Callie, 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 we're not playing right now, <laughs> Callie, because we're on a podcast. Um, Callie right. gets nuts when we talk into microphones. I think she wants she wants to steal <laughs> the show, but she just like doesn't she hasn't yet figured out how to do that it's on a hilarious. podcast. Yeah, I mean, if this was like a show, like if it, it, it was if it was this was being filmed or something, she would win yes. for sure. I mean, she's much more totally. interesting than us, even though your sweater, you know, like. Yeah, but she right. she would win, and she would totally win. But on a podcast, she just can't win, and I think that's no, a problem I, for her. Yeah, you I know, I mean, I get it, I get it. So she just rolls around and does has temper tantrums. <laughs> but I mean, I have to say one thing about this dog is she gets angry at me at least once a day once a day she just walks up to me out of nowhere and has angry face and i've known angry face since she's a puppy and she's about to be seven angry faces she wants something or she is unhappy with something that's going on in the world in her world and i have to fix it and i'm the i i am at fault so it's like yeah. a it's like a parent and a child. Like yes. they want something, but they can't really tell you what it is, or they just can tell you, but they're assholes. Right. And that's her. Like yes. sometimes totally. all it is is like a piece of fuzz underneath the dining room table. But she wants that fuzz, nuts. and it's my fault that she can't get to yeah, it because of, of her body type. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not body shaming. Don't worry. And she particularly loves men. So when men are here. And they're on the podcast. She's very much trying to steal your attention. She's like, it, it's my turn now. So yeah, you just no, have to do it. that, you know, and yeah. try to pay attention. I know it's not a lot to ask for here. No, but, I got it. I got it. Um, okay. I totally forget which football player we were talking uh, well, about. We were talking about uh, Leonard Fournette. Oh, Fournette. Yeah. Well, you know so what? So I did an episode with him. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I talked about. The people that I would want to yes 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 Isaiah Thomas is a great one. I was saying with the yeah. adversity of coming with his daughter right. and then um, and the Celtics passing away. That's right. He had a lot, yeah. and he had, he came back and played in the playoffs. Yeah, you know? and he was phenomenal. He was it, yeah. actually the some of the best I, of Isaiah Thomas I've ever seen. Yes, I was so rooting for them because yeah. of Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, you exactly. know, and I'm not. I mean, you're now he's you're gone. Now you he's have on more Cleveland. skin in the game than I do, but like yeah. you know, now he's gone. He's in Cleveland, but I wish him well. But so I remember and I like said a couple more people and obviously I was like, you know, obviously my dream person would be Tom Brady. Yeah, of course. course. And you got to go for your Gronk dream person and, and Edelman and, and all, all of those literally guys. anybody that is plays for the Patriots. Exactly. I mean, you would even take like Wes Welker probably. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, would love to talk. To why Wes would Welker. you not? You yeah. know, uh, and so we talked about that and I remember I just started like spouting off stuff from like the annals of my brain like I like it was coming out of nowhere and we had a great conversation and then like three weeks later my managers contacted me and they were like they want to hire you for this show it's called The Assist mm -hmm. and so I basically go to a different city I hang out with a professional athlete and we do something that they like to do off the field that's so cool yeah and I assist them in you're the assist okay yeah, yeah. so okay because the first one i saw was with marshawn lynch yes. and it looked like that you talked him into like he didn't know what he was doing so we said um we talked about like okay marshawn wants to do an episode yeah um what do we think would be interesting to see him do and i forget who said it but we were like Doing a spa day would be hilarious. It would be Marshall, so hilarious, right? yeah. And, Beast um, mode in spa day, exactly. you know? Yeah. And so 
we got there on the day and the producers were looked at me and they were like so just to let you know um marshawn doesn't know that we're doing a pedicure and i was like he didn't agree to this already and they were like no and i was like terrified because <laughs> I, I think i it, would be terrified he he has some history you yeah. know of being a little bit of a you know a, yeah well like he doesn't want to have to talk about stuff if people are forcing him into talking about it right right and so and i and i think that he's just like a particular guy that's gonna do what he wants to do which i totally and i totally respect that like right dude's not a, sh a, a sellout or isn't going to do anything for ratings. He's doing it because he wants to do it. Right. Or he doesn't want to do it. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. And um, so when I met him, he was kind of, he was a little like, all right, what the hell's going on here? And. But he, can I interrupt you for a minute? Isn't yeah. there a part of you that's like, but you wanted to do this? Or at least like somebody wanted, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, honestly, Shannon, like there's that part of me that says like, you wanted to do this anyway, so just sack up and yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely disappears when he shows up. Because you actually see this dude, and he's a beast. You he know, is a beast. You know what like, he reminds me of? He reminds me of that one guy. From, have you ever played Street Fighter? Yes. And, he, and he's electric. <laughs> yeah. He's green. Yes. That is what Marshawn Lynch, what was his name? Uh, I don't remember. I totally forget. But the guy who who is a beast in Street Fighter who's green, and he goes on, uh, he has like, electrical currents go yeah, through he his like, body he gets in like a circle and like yeah yeah that's what marshawn lynch actually so i can only imagine that like what you're well, like you're like ah that all dissipates the, when you meet well, him here's the weird thing like he is like 5 11 220 or 215 yeah he's like a little that. bit shorter yeah that it doesn't seem like that at all like when you see him he's just a bigger dude yeah he's just the thickest dude I've ever <laughs> like his forearms are as big as my thighs and Jesus. I don't I actually am like I don't understand how you're only 215 220 yeah that doesn't make any sense no I wouldn't I, like I didn't know his I knew he was not the tallest guy because they make comments about that a lot too right. I mean he's no like Darren Sproles or anything but he's no. he's definitely not like for for the beast that he is as a running back he's definitely lacks the height but I'll tell you right now you see him in real life and he's he just it he, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he doesn't looks. He doesn't look short. He still looks. He's a tall well, five eleven too. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, like I'm five ten, and he just uh, he was so well. Big. Probably his hair too and stuff. And yeah. it like adds to it. But like yeah, but but like I can. I and five eleven is by the, by the way, it's not short. But in it's, the, as an NFL running, yeah, back, it's like, a little bit short. You're undersized. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. As a comedian and actor, you're in great shape. <laughs> oh my god, you're yeah. you're tall even. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. because yeah. <laughs> Because that's just how it works, you know? Short yeah. people go into comedy, typically, I feel. Yeah. I feel taller than most comedians, even for a female. Totally. I'm 5'7", and I, I don't even think that that's that tall. But like, something to say, and the only way they can say it is if they have a stage and a microphone. Right, because so otherwise <laughs> no one can hear them and, yeah. or see them because right. they're so little and yeah. small. But like, but but I, I think that he would be so interesting to like meet because he is, he does have, he was a little bit of a controversial guy when he was with Seattle. Like, there was definitely like off-the-field things that happened with him where he throws around I'm not saying it's unwarranted but like some attitude like he you yeah, know well I mean so I met him and at, fir at first it kind of seemed like he just wanted to do the thing whatever and he and I talked for a minute off camera and 
he kind of looked at me and he was like, so do you do this? Like, is this like your job? And I was like, yeah, I'm an actor and a comedian. Like, this is what I do. And he was like, so you're a professional. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm a f- professional. And once I said that, like with confidence, he was like, all right, cool. And he was in. <laughs> and okay. he was just game for everything. And he was really, and then like we talked about football and he realized that I like love football and I know what I'm talking about. And so he appreciated that. And he was so candid and so open and so cool and fun it was that's awesome it was awesome that's awesome so it's like you had to like prove yourself to him because it's part of your job at, and anyone's job as a host you know of, of something to you know be in a situation or an interview with somebody that you in most cases have never met before right and in a small amount of time bring out the best things that you can from them and and be the right person and, and sort of chameleon yourself to the situation so for like a Marshawn Lynch I think that's a great example of like that's your ability as a host too because you had to like prove to him like you have to be confident yeah you but you also have and you have to know about sports obviously and I think you'd have to know about sports if you're doing something right, for DraftKings. Right, right, right. But like but I think that's like a great example of like a good host too. Like well, you were think, you were hosting, you know? Well, I think it's it's in in comedy in every form, whether it's stand up, whether it's sketch, anything that you are in front of another person and you're doing something that is comedically related. Right. One of your main Jobs is to make sure that your audience, whether it's Marshawn Lynch or a group of people at a uh, comedy club, you got to make them feel comfortable. Yeah. Because the minute that they feel like you don't know what you're doing, you're done. They smell blood in the water. Yeah. It's like, you're yeah, done. you're done. And I and and it's not the audience's fault. Like the minute. It, it, that you feel like you're not being taken care of by the person on stage or the person interviewing you. It's like, yeah, screw this. I don't need to do this. And a big part of it too is about control though. Right. What do you say? Like you have to be the one in control. Like yes. you can't give up your control. You're then. And I think you're saying the same thing. Yeah, no, that's, totally. that's the way I always think about it with like a crowd, like, like, you know, when you first start off doing stand up, for example, you don't always, or improv or whatever it is, you don't always like you're, uh, you know, you, you approach it from a lot of different ways, but maybe your first thought is that you don't approach it from a standpoint of like, this is my stage. Right. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I just went up there and was like, I hope you guys think I'm funny. Like the first time yes. I ever did stand up. Well, it took me a long time to realize that like, I had to just like set a precedent that I fucking own this stage. And like, you don't, and you're going to respect me. And, it's not like I'm mad at you or anything, but it's just more about control. And it's like, and if I, and if there's something that you don't think is funny, I'm going to get that back. Well, yeah. You know I I think does it's that a, make sense? It's like, a, yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's a, it's a, it's a dance. Like, you yeah. need, it's like such a give and take with you. And like you win the night if you have, uh, if you've kept that kind of relationship yeah. at the, exact point it's supposed to be because you got to kind of go a little forward and then take a little back and then go a little forward and it's it's hard it's hard it's really hard it's hard but But it's amazing when you do it right it is it's incredible yeah and like i mean the thing with the marshawn lynch interview is like we also had champagne there which was nice oh that's helpful and so uh we sat back and like you know we're getting foot massages and whatever the (laughs) hell they do on pedicures but I like asked a couple things up top and then 
I just kind of let him talk and I listened and responded to the things he was saying. And he, and it was just like, we had a conversation and he was so cool. And at the end he was like, uh, really gracious and like grateful for doing it and everything. That's awesome. Like, he was a really cool dude. Uh, all three guys that I did it with, um, Marshawn Lynch and Jameis Winston and Leonard Fournette were such good guys. Now, did you know that Leonard Fournette was yet on your fantasy team when you did this? No, I drafted him after. Oh, okay. But I, I'll tell you Did right that play now, a role? 100%. Oh, cool. He is the greatest dude ever. Really? He, he, he is, Now he came from Louisiana? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Ninth Ward. Yep. Very, I watched him get drafted, like yeah. Tough area. Mm-hmm. And I've never met anybody that is so focused and cool and just wants to do the good and right thing and that's saying just like straight up like that not to mention this guy has been the most talented football player around him since he was a little kid yeah yeah i mean there i I think i read something that like louisiana state university offered him a scholarship when he was like a sophomore yeah he yeah he's 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 like ahead of his time almost with with unbelievable with his skill sets and capabilities i actually really wanted to draft him on my football team and i was one click away and the fucking guy it's the way it always works right you took him and i got mixon and i was like i don't want him i wanted Fortnite, and and especially from a character standpoint i'm not even trying to compare the two but they should be compared from like a draft standpoint because because Mixon, if it wasn't for his peppered pass, would have actually gone in the draft before Fournette. Yeah. But Fournette, I actually liked watching because I'm a big college football fan, obviously, because I, I mean, not just because I went to Clemson, but yeah. like I watch college football. I, yeah, I, right. I, and so um, he I was just the king. Yeah. LSU. Yeah. And yeah. so anybody that talked about his inability to be an amazing NFL player, I don't think they know what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, I think they are. They must just truly be basing it on him getting injured that's in it well year, you know you get you they, they say that shit all the time about people getting injured you know totally. if you can stay healthy you know and yeah. here's his pros and cons and blah blah but, blah i mean there are people that like once they get hurt they're just hurt their entire of career. course yeah yeah and then you there's know? people that never get hurt ever you right. know and those are the people you're always going to draft on your team right. because you're like fuck it i don't care they just like never get hurt but right. like you, you you take gronk in an early uh, round in a Gronkowski fantasy is 100 percent who you think of and you're like He's going to get me so many points when he plays. He is. And also, but if he you, might not play that much. I mean, you know? but also if you're in a PPR, like, you know. Yeah. Because, because like, Tom, like, I, the, I think the guy who won the game last week was Tom Brady. Oh, uh, no, no, no. This week was Tom Brady in my league. Um, yeah. uh, or the girl. There's another girl in my league. It's Brooke. Yeah. It's our friend Brooke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually in an LA comedians league nice. that I co commission. I'm a co commissioner of, which okay. I don't really know what that means now because I've never commissioned a league before. You just have to make sure none of the trades are like collusion. Yeah. Well, actually, the other commissioner tried to trade with me today, and I was like, no. So I was like, "Come on, commissioner! You can't make a fu- you can't make a trade like that. Like, you're commissioner. Yeah. Like, you can't make it. Like, do you think? And I'm I'm your co commissioner. I think it's also weird that you're trying to trade players with me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was a weird situation. I I I knocked it down within two hours, but that was because I was asleep when it first happened. So you really knocked it down in like a minute. Yeah. And it, it, he tried to trade trade. Deshaun, I mean, you might not think that's it's that crazy, but like he tried to trade Deshaun Jackson, Jackson 
for mixing. And I have a need for running backs, not, not for, oh, I'm stacked on oh, wide receivers. Yeah. So, but then that. also, but I'm like, yeah, like Jackson, like might be cool. Like he's a veteran, but like also Mixon's supposed to be like leading running back of the right. whole thing. But I also like need running backs. So if I got rid no. of him, I only have jamal charles on my bench so like what am i doing with my life you know you were right to say no to that but that's the co-commissioner so like when you bring it up it's like yeah you just you have to make sure that you don't do silly trades i'm like but this is why i think i'm a co-commissioner because he's doing silly things all all together yeah he made up some silly rules i had to talk him out of the rules you're really the the real commission i guess i don't know i've never done it before i'm just saying what i think is normal i I don't know you've got to stick I'm sticking to my guns on this but you know what I have to say so so this but this job that you have is cool because this is like a dream job for like anybody including myself that is like a sports host you know and in any capacity so like how long is do you have like a certain like time frame that it's just going to keep going or like how does it work well uh, unfortunately uh, we are just going to have these three episodes why just three so it was supposed to be eight episodes and um, the guys I work with uh, were awesome at DraftKings. And we had a call actually last week, and they were like, uh, we had a meeting with our CEO, and they're doing like a whole restructuring and stuff. So we can't, we have to like put this on hold indefinitely. But they were like, everybody's reacting really well to it, and they like the content. It's just like right now for the company, we can't, we can't do it right now. So. <sighs> So many things uh, just get like, just get put on the back burner because of reasons the like that. The business that we're in. The business, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I feel like everything I fucking work on is like, not everything. And I, I don't want to say that because I don't want to jinx myself. But I think a lot of things that I've, we, that we've all worked on, that that's what happens, you know? Yeah, I think in, in this business, unlike many other, uh, you know, businesses. Professions. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have the job until you're literally doing it. And even when you're doing it, you still you don't might have the not job. have it. Yeah. Like you don't have it. You haven't done the job until it's literally over. I think that it's like, it's interesting. Like uh, I don't do you, are you, are you familiar with the comedian Michael Costa? He was on my podcast so. a couple, he used to be a pro tennis player and I think he's okay. okay this isn't uh, anything he's in a very good place right now, but it's just like an example of something. Yeah. So he's super talented, like regular at the comedy store, like all this stuff he get, he's had a lot of shots. None of them have worked out. Yep. He just got a job. Oh, you get daily show. He got daily yes. show. He's a full-time correspondent moves his whole life to New York. That's what he does now. And in most people's lives, and I hope in his, that's just, the beginning. The beginning yeah. of a very long career right. of what you do, but you don't know. No. So you just, but, and so that's, I think it's an example of like, even when you have success, um, you move there and you do that. And I hope that he sustains that, Yeah. but it could be, it could be three episodes that he's on and they're like, nope, not nah, don't want you anymore because that's how the way it works in fucking entertainment. Like you don't have a say in it and it's really tough and it's not the way, the way that most people live and the way that I used to live, which is like corporate America or like working for someone else. And like you do good, you work hard, you show skills, you move up. That's right. how it works. No, it's not how it works. I think, I think if you're going to be in this industry and you're going to be somebody that is like a, 
creator, you need to just want to do it no matter what. You have to. You can't. You can't want to do it because you think you're going to make a lot of money doing it, and you think you're going to have a house in Malibu and be rich as shit and yeah. you know, do whatever that you want every day and be invited to the award shows. I think you have to do it because like when you make something, people respond and they're like, "That made me really laugh." And you, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also, I, I hundred, I mean. It's it's a it's a lot of what we talk about on the podcast, and I 100 um, percent have been having these conversations lately. Where it's like you have to want it so bad that you're like, I would rather die. Like if I'm yeah. not, you know, like I mean, I know that's very dramatic, but like you have to want it like that badly, and you have to want it in a way where it's like you're not, you don't, you can't care about like how much money it brings you. And I have, I also like, I, I don't know, I kind of take uh, issue with people being like. You have to want it so bad because I don't necessarily know if I feel that way. I don't know if I feel like I want it so bad. I feel like I'm like, if I can live my life and I can do this kind of thing and go out there and make people laugh in some capacity, I'm doing it right. Yeah, I think so. I totally think so. Instead of saying like, I need this. I want this or anything. It's like if you if you can sustain yourself while being able to do it and that's yeah. your life, you're in great shape. And I think that and I totally agree. I you think know? like I, I'm coming more from like the perspective of like creating something from scratch and knowing that it should ex- like and it's not it's like me and it's a big part of me, but it's also like producing something like if you believe in it that much and people tell you no like you have to really believe in it to just not let that stop you and so that's more where I was coming from totally because I think that that's like a lot of the mentality you have to have in general and I talk about this a lot on the podcast like and that's why it's like so related to sports because it's like I talk to people that like were athletes and like we're not athletes and like do you think that that plays a role in like now the life you're in, which is what we just described, which is super hard. I mean, it's super hard to just not like wake up one day. Like you can have a lot of things happen, but then you can have a lot of things not happen. And it's never going to be just like this nine to five job that like you just go home. I was just talking to, I'm a little, I get a little bit like down these rabbit holes, but I was just talking to somebody the other day about people like there's nothing wrong with it, but I used to be one of those people I had a nine to five job. It was actually six 30 in the morning to like f- five, four sometimes, but like for years and years and years, which is what got me into comedy. But I would, um, I would go home and I would just like live this other life. Mm-hmm. And I remember I like, I, it just never like fit. I, it never like, I, I can never like wear that. And then I started doing comedy and I started doing my own thing on the side like years ago, but I still worked for the company only up until a month ago. Yeah. And um, they laid me off. Oh, really? They did after a lot. I, I worked, knew you were still working there. Yeah. I, I had, I had been working there this whole time, oh, wow. but just okay. working from home. But I worked there for like a decade, but I remember they make me go to these like dumb sales trainings every year. And I basically like, I'm not trying to be rude, but like I built our sales department. So I'm like, whatever. Right. And so I had to go, it's like, whatever. And I remember this guy getting up there and he's like, had to do some thing in our sales training and he says he's saying we he's like we're gonna do this and then we're gonna be like really passionate about doing that and I remember thinking in my head I'm like who's we like who is he talking about like him 
because I'm like, he's not this, like, this isn't his company. It's, we work for a billion dollar corporation, but it was just this like moment that I had where I, and then I'm like, this guy is like exuding like a fair level of passion for what he does. Mm -hmm. And he's saying we, as if he's a part of something, but then he puts it down, he shuts off his computer and then he goes home and then he just like lives a different life and he doesn't even think about it. He doesn't mm -hmm. think he'd probably think about it on the weekends and mm -hmm. then he comes back and then it's now he's back. And I'm like, but with what I do now, maybe this was like my separation from like the corporate world. Yeah. I'm like, but with what I do now, it's not we, it's me. Yeah. And it doesn't end at 6 p.m. or 5 p.m. No. It's with me. It's probably why I drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's with me every day. It's, it's, it's here on the weekends. Really. It's never going to be left on a desk. And so I think that's a big part of the difference of when you're like representing yourself as a brand mm -hmm. versus like working for somebody else. It's a fucking risk just for your own life yeah. and your own livelihood because you have to be really strong, I think, to do it. I just think, it, I just think you do. And I never knew that until like a while ago. Like I was just like, Oh, I'm trying shit out and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know, seven years ago when I just started doing both. Yeah. But then when I became like, even recently, like a full-time comedian, like I'm a full-time comedian right yeah. now. I'm like, all I have is myself right. and there's nobody, I can't leave that on a desk somewhere. Does that make sense? Like hundred percent. And I think that, um, Everybody who, uh, comedian or dramatic actor or whatever, or writer, uh, it's, uh, there's always that come to Jesus moment where it's like, this is just on me to do this. Yeah. And I think that the toughest thing is to say, I'm going to take that first step and, uh, get on stage for the first time or, write something and send it to someone and ask what they think of it or you know whatever that first step is it's the hardest and then i think if it flows after that if you start to feel like oh taking that first step actually after it's not that hard yeah then you know you're doing the right thing i know honey i know you know what and so i i just think that if you can Take that first step, which is the hardest thing to do. And afterwards, you're like, oh, it's flowing. Mm -hmm. Even like a good example, I think, is like you have an idea for a sketch you want to film. Right. And you're like, all right, I have the script. I think it's funny. Now I just have to reach out to like literally one person and be like, do you have a camera? And would you film me? And I'll, you know, pay you a hundred bucks or whatever. Yeah. And you do it when you're doing it. It's like, God, this is so easy. Why don't I do this every day? That's when you know, like, you should be doing it. Yeah. You know, and if yeah. you're enjoying it and people are watching it and being like, hey, I really like that. Even if it's a small amount, it doesn't have to be a viral video. Right. You just need to have people who you trust say, that was good. Yeah. I, you know, and I think that's the difference between like what we're all capable of now that we weren't before is that even if we're not like at the pinnacle of what we made of success and whatever it is that we deem that to be, yeah. we still have that creative outlet of being able to produce things ourselves yes. that also can get us somewhere, you know, it's so much different. I mean, we're so lucky than the people who were trying to do this. 30 years ago. Totally. They didn't have that outlet. Ago. I mean, now granted there was a lot less people too. So that, you know, give one, take the other, but like 
I, I'm really bad at sayings. I don't know if that's a saying. Give I, one take. I the other. don't think it is, but <laughs> I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to slip it on through there, and then as you I was know, saying it, I was thing, like, "Another is I'm walking," like, and and that's how you. Oh, kinda, gosh, I'm so you know. bad at sayings. <laughs> I used to think it was he doesn't uh, happy as a clam and shit. Right. That stuff. I'm like that person, you yeah, know. Yeah, so yeah, anyway, yeah. but you know what I'm saying. Like, give me a fingerprint and I'll show you a paw. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one I know. I, well, I don't. Th- that's not. That's a real not one. a real one. No, no, I just made that up. So you don't no, know I, I, no. any sayings. I know. Okay, I know. Um, <laughs> I know it's uh, play play it by ear. Oh my god, that's the one. That's the one you know. <laughs> well, because I used to say year. Play it by year, and then somebody recently corrected me, and they were like, "It's ear," and I was like, "That doesn't make any sense." And but I'm that's like, "Just it." But if you think about it, play by ear could make sense. Play by ear doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but sense. it's also a very like sad way of look. Like you have to wait a year <laughs> to figure the next thing out. Well, and okay. By the way, year never made sense to me either. It I doesn't just... make sense to me. Either, <laughs> no, and I always and I also said, uh, "What? Uh, what's the other one?" I said. Uh, uh, he doesn't know his ass from a hole in the head. That's not a saying, but it's close. Yeah, it's he doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Okay, I thought it was hole in the ground was the right thing, but either way, well, like you, the first thing you said was hole in the head. That's what I thought it was. And then you thought the real one was hole, hole in the, the ground. ground. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, <laughs> the the point of that saying is to say that the person doesn't know anything. So I, you could really say he doesn't know his ass from really e- anything. E- either way, like I consider myself to be like a pretty smart person, but I do like lack some like common sense sometimes, and yeah. or I, I think it's what it is. Because like even the whole like chicken or the egg thing, people are just like it's the chicken or the egg, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Have you not? Have you never really delved into that and thought about it? Well, it, it makes sense to me now because it's like cart before horse. I think that's what it is, right? No, it's no. not. It's not because See, I the don't cart get it before the horse is like the you're going. Horse. You're getting a little too ahead of yourself. Yeah, which is because like if the cart was in front of the horse, the horse is not going to be able to pull the. cart. No, I get that. Okay. I get that. It's so like you're chicken. Put- is it the chicken or the egg? It means what came first? Because you think back to like all the way back okay. in history. Was there just an egg on the ground and then all of a sudden a chicken came out of it? Or was there a chicken just placed on earth and then it laid an egg and then another chicken? So Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, I Go do. Go back to the beginning of time. So we don't know the answer to that, right? No one knows the answer. So I feel that makes me feel a lot better because whenever people say is it the chicken or the egg, I'm like, I don't know. But that's the point of the I get saying. it. Okay. I didn't get the I so I think I, I would became too literal with the saying. Yes. And too insecure that I didn't actually like know, like I didn't understand. Well, this is a smart way to do it. You do it on a podcast where a, a <laughs> lot of other people can hear it. You know, look, I have, I've talked about how I'm bad with sayings before, so it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm definitely, I definitely don't know if I'm ever going to use. Like, I, I can't wait till the day that I'm like, it's chicken or the egg. Well, listen, here's, here's what it is. It's like, were you funny? Before you got on stage and said stuff and people said, yeah, she's funny. Or, you know, like what what is the thing? Like what came first, your funniness or your 
No, that's not right. Uh, it's something like that. It's something like that. Okay, great example. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I thought I had it. I really thought I had it. Well, you know, I, I, I guess the point is, is that I don't know. I made, I said a saying that to whatever we were talking about because I just yeah. got us off on a tangent here, right. and I don't think it was a real saying because no. I just make up sayings sometimes. Yes. Um, but I'm still a smart person, and I just sometimes I just don't get. And I like, and I like understand things. Like I understand things by making connections. Right. So if you say this and I'm like, oh, I get it. Cause it's sort of like this. And it's usually always correct. Yeah. But sayings for some reason, just, it's just, they're lost. I'm, and now I, I love cart before horse. I love water I off love a duck's back. That's never a, heard that one. You never heard that one? No. It's like, let it roll off your sleeve. But that's not a saying. Like, that's uh, not a saying. <laughs> you have to not. Say sayings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say- that yeah. are not say- real sayings. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm sorry because I got us way off track. Totally and fine. this is this is what I do sometimes. But either way, um, I'll get us back on track by I think we were talking about just like how like hard life is maybe and like alcohol. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about DraftKings. That's we're right. We're talking about Leonard Fournette. Right. Who's the best dude in the world. Uh, and... But we were also talking about just like being a comedian being and a comedian. what it takes to make it. And I think this was sort of leading into this other conversation just about like, like I always like to ask the question if, if, if it's relevant, like you were an athlete growing up, like yeah. you played sports. Yeah. And when you go through these hard things in life now and you're doing it, you know, like you're having success, but it's also hard because yeah. you're always trying to get to the next level. You're never going to just be like satisfied with the status quo. Right. Is there something that you can connect or relate to like, the way that you grew up and how that like relates to comedy or like what you do now. Definitely. I think that I think, uh, if you just take comedy by itself and okay, here, here's what I'll say. If you have ability, you know, you have ability, you want to play football because you grew up, uh, you know, playing at recess with your friends and you were always you always felt like you were the one scoring the most touchdowns and you were like i should play football Mm -hmm. and you do that it's the exact same thing as really anything i mean of course entertainment but anything it's like uh i growing up you know in my group of friends usually i was the one that was like making a joke and like making people laugh or doing an impression i could see that yeah laugh and um, the, I think the toughest thing is to just like, uh, athletics. It's like if you play a sport and you're growing up in central Massachusetts and you're the best on your team, it's still very unrealistic to be like, I'm going to be a pro athlete. Right. And I think it's the same thing with, Oh, I'm the funny one in the group of my friends. I'm going to be on SNL. But isn't it true that when you're younger, because the saying ignorance is bliss, Mark Twain, it's a great saying because you just don't know that that isn't going to happen. And you just think, and and maybe you're a big fish in a small pond or whatever, or you just don't know like what competition is out there or what the world is like yet. And you, you're, you have not yet become cynical about anything. Don't you think that that's also what sort of helps? It's a good thing. It helps propel you to that next level because you have that, it's almost like delirious confidence. Somebody told me last night that I have delirious confidence with yeah. certain things where like I just do it, like I am confident about something, but then later I'm like, how was I, or, or or it doesn't work out because I, I end up being like, I'm deliriously confident about this. But it's like you're like that 
when you're at that age, you're like, I could be a pro athlete, you know, I could be a famous comedian, like whatever it is. Yeah, I think I think also um, at that point, it helps to propel you forward. Right. And then at this point, when I look back, I say to myself, I should be in this position because I, I was doing it when I was that little. Right. You know, and um the only difference when you get older is like, are you going to put in the time and work and effort to to do it? And Just like right. if you're a, a really good little kid athlete, are you going to put in the time to like go to the gym early in the morning before school and like, you know, run sprints after school? And, right. You know. And also believe in yourself the whole time, yeah, too. I yeah. think that's really hard, right? Like you, yes. uh, I call it, I, and I like to call it on, on the, in the past and on this podcast, I've called it the light beam, where it's like, like that. it's like the light beam for me is when I have those days at, that I feel like everything is possible and my creativity is flowing and I'm like, I do all, and I like create and I do all the things and I believe in myself. And then maybe something, nothing even happens or maybe something does or it doesn't or maybe nothing happens and yeah. and everything is stagnant and then i wake up and i'm like read everything that i wrote and i'm like why do i think i can do that like who said who made me this great like yeah. i can't do that and that's the days that we don't have the light beam yeah. and i'm like if we have i think the people that make it in anything they try to do in life have the light beam and they just like they might not have it every day but they know how to like still persevere when they don't you know i think um so I uh, was auditioning for stuff recently, mm-hmm. and um, my girlfriend Jenna Brister, who you, yeah. who's been on the show, she, like one of my favorite like yes, little nuggets ever. She's amazing, yeah, she's awesome. Um, gave me this book that uh, you got to read. What is it? And everybody listening has to read. It's called uh, "The War of Art." Mm. Um, I have to look up the the author, but it literally like. I can it's, fact check for you while you talk about it. It's so, uh, it, it, it's so, it kind of like makes you realize that, um, yeah, okay, here it is, here it is. Okay. I'm- the War of Art, and it is written by Stephen Pressfield, who also wrote uh, The Legend of Bagger Vance, mm-hmm. okay? And this guy just like it's three chapters it's such a fast read that's it well it's like 160 pages like okay it's like three books i guess oh i could read that uh 160 <laughs> pages i mean some of the chapters are literally three lines you know okay and it's all about the fact that like what you need to do like you're saying all your job is if you're a writer for example is to wake up in the morning and get in front of the computer and write something yeah it doesn't matter what right just do it just take the first step to do it and yeah. then something will come and when you finish that first thing move on to the next one and it's the exact same thing as sports it's like you accomplish one thing you got to look to the next accomplishment yeah like, what is it you know you have to but you're never going to be satisfied with yesterday's accomplishment right and that's the thing like that's uh, that's in the mind of an athlete i think that like even just like in stand-up comedy if you just like isolate it to stand-up like i think that when you are a stand-up comedian and you know that you're funny but you still have this responsibility like i don't feel like full satisfaction from it every time it works or or if i do i think it's even short-lived it's like a Mm -hmm. kind of a fucked up like uh 
thing because it's like you need it but it can't make you happy but you also like need it to be always better like that's how i i feel so like even at the height of when i've i probably had like the best set i ever had like a month ago probably the best one and it's mostly because i blacked out while doing it i have no idea what i said but i I went for 25 minutes and I only had 10. You just got totally in the zone. Yeah, but they also let me go. Like, and I had, I got really good feedback from it. So it was fine. Also, it was my own show. So it was fine. But like, I, I remember like I got off stage and I was like, I felt so good about that. I have no idea like what I said. And I, I, that's why I need it. And, but I always need to be better at it because I, I just think that like you have such like a, for me, like everybody's different. Like you have such a floor of, of like, you have like a, you have an audience, you have a reason why you, you do it personally and everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, maybe it's about being an athlete. Uh, maybe that's where it comes from and always just having to get better. Like, yeah, like I made everybody laugh tonight and I did a great job, even in the best set that I think I've ever done. But like, I still need to be better because I still don't think it's good enough. And I still think that like, but I think it's cause my goal is to also communicate things that I want to communicate that I haven't figured out how to do yet. That's that's just for me though. No, like, I think if you want to talk about comedy and related to sports and you know a lot of people don't play golf, but I swear to god golf is a microcosm for everything and it is a microcosm for uh comedy because what a lot of people don't realize is like they're not in competition with anybody else. Yeah. Especially like now it's in front of your face that there are so many opportunities out there for every single person to find their thing. Yeah. And just like golf, you're always you can always get one stroke better. Until you're getting a hole in one on every single hole. Yeah. You can always get one stroke better. Yeah. All right. Two on par And you're fives, a really good golfer. Well, I've played since I was a little kid and yeah. I think it's helped me with perspective in my life because you have to always just play within yourself. And when you're playing with someone else and you're trying to be better than them, it's the competition actually hurts you. And it's, I think it's the same in comedy. If you're going to help somebody out, they're going to help you. And it also takes more pressure off of you not to be like, am I funnier than that person? Because everybody has a different brand of comedy. Right. Even if it seems like it's the same, you're nobody is the same. No, it's coming and their from... comedy's not the same. And that's why comedy is also so beautiful because you're creating it from your perspective yeah. and that's your your perspective, your, your, you might Unless talk... Car- Carlos Mencia and you steal jokes. <laughs> or a lot of other... That's actually one that's been named uh, for being a joke stealer. I know. Yeah. That's and why it, I said it because I don't think I'll ever run into him knock on wood do you have does, has he like stolen one of yours or like someone that you know no he hasn't I've just heard he has a terrible reputation I mean there's by a the way South Park episode about him I, stealing jokes I know I know and there's other people out there too that have a reputation for stealing jokes and it's some I mean like I don't even want to like think this highly of myself but like I watched a recent movie of this person's and like four of my t- jokes were in there really and I'm like but I'd heard this rumor for like a long time and, and I, I don't want to be so presumptuous to think that they're stealing jokes from me but like think about it if you post a joke on Twitter or something no, I know I and know other people that have I mean Jenna has had jokes stolen yeah and I it's, think and I it's think from people that like also like you see are in the comedy scene and they act like they they're not gonna get caught kind of and it's like well guess what like you just had your reputation is done in this circle yeah and like, like you're a fucking hack and we'll also like see who like really 
rises up. Is that like, what we'll gets you the, the to the height of success at the end of the day is stealing someone else's jokes? I fucking hope not. I would hope so, too. And I would you hope know. karma kicks in and... Because we all can talk about similar topics, and we certainly do. Right. I mean, how many of us talk about the same topics in, in even the same show, like politics, relationships, right. our family, our, who we right. are, like whatever. But the reason why it's good is because our perspective is unique, right. and our and and even if and and a lot of times we're relatable, and even if we're not being relatable in that particular moment, it's it's still really just fucking funny. I'll also say this because. As a comedian, you can't get too precious with your material because, and I think this is the best thing I learned from improv, is that you do a scene and it could feel like the greatest scene you've ever done. You're going to do another in a second. Yeah. You know, and you're going to keep doing them. And when you think that you don't have a joke that's better than the last one you did in the last scene, you're going to get one. Yeah. And everything is going... If you're a funny person and you're capable of this stuff, you're going to keep getting stuff. You're going to keep... You'll evolve as a, as a person and then your comedy evolves with yeah, you. Yeah, like, no, I agree. So it's kind of like... It is tough to be like, wait, that's something I said. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of have to be like... You know what? I said it on this stage and people loved it and I moved on and I did another thing. And you're right. You know? And it's and it's probably a part of just like it becomes like a rerun at a certain yeah. point. And you you need to like continue to evolve as like an artist or as a performer. And you also need to like continue to like speak your truth. And yeah. like some of my jokes that are some of like my home runs, they never don't they never fail. Right. Right. I pull them out. Never, oh yeah, knock on wood for sure. I mean, they have in certain yeah. times, um, but like especially when like audiences have hated me because of you know I, various reasons. Right. It actually happened one time, but like I I think that like I get sick of it because I'm just like I'm better than this at this point. Like yeah. I don't do I want to be talking about dick pics for the rest of my life? Like no, that's no. not my life's purpose. I mean, it works for right now, but like I I have for myself like a greater responsibility to like take it to a, another level of yeah. like influence and so that's where i'm coming from with comedy but i don't think i think everybody that and that's sort of something i was saying earlier and so i think like you and i were talking about this before the podcast i like wrote it down in scribbles and i yeah. like, don't know what it is now it says money 5k snl money but what it what it was was basically saying that like i i could go tell dick pick jokes um, or do exactly what I'm doing that's making me very like successful at what I'm doing right now. Right. And I could do that and I could just make money from it or I might not. Or I could do something that is more towards like maybe like my own like values and my purpose in life, which I'm, you know, look, I'm, I don't know everything. I'm not fucking Gandhi. So I don't know what yeah. that is. But like and, and that could be like a pay cut. And I think that's what I wanted to talk to you about offline when we started to have this conversation, yeah. which is like. I remember I told you I, did, I, I didn't really know how to articulate it, but I think like when you have like, like it comes down to like, you want to make a legacy for yourself. You want to have financial success, but you also have like a something you have to do in life. Like you, everybody has something, yes. whether they do it or they don't do it, that's up to them and yeah. people do it. Some people don't do it. Yeah. You know, like I know people in my family that probably aren't going to do it. And I know 
that they should. Yeah. So I feel like I have a responsibility to myself to do it. Whatever that is, I think I know, but I'm not 100%. It's actually not straight stand-up comedy. For me, it's not. It's always will have some element of that. And so for you, like as an improv actor and like someone who's had a lot of success in like different formats, like sports, improv, like for you, like what is that ultimate like goal for you? I mean... My ultimate goal, um, just like you could just shut your eyes and like, that's it, what you're doing every day. No, I mean like I, <laughs> it sounds, it sounds crazy, but like I, I want to be like the biggest movie comedic actor of all time. Like that's like, that's what I've set out to do since I was a little kid. Yeah. And it sounds stupid to say, but I think that it like... It doesn't sound stupid. Well, no, but I, I think it, it might sound like, uh, you know, um, pompous or something like that. But it's like, if you don't have the idea in your mind of like what you want to do, then why like why not shoot for the tops? The stars, top, you know? yeah. And um, I love acting. I love uh, dramatic acting, too. I love doing stand-up. I love doing sketch. I love doing improv. And I'm kind of at the point where I'm just like, I'm going to do all of that stuff. And whatever jobs come are going to be great. I am. I did a job yesterday for um, a show that's going to be on Showtime called Smilf. Oh, my God. That's awesome. That's actually why we, because we were supposed to uh, record yesterday. We to, yeah. And you're like, I was only supposed to, if I'm allowed to say this, you were like, I only was like supposed to do four lines, and now they want me in every scene. Well, yeah. And we, I was like, Jono, you're not doing my podcast, yeah, okay? No, like, we did, we did. They asked me to do some improv, and I improv some stuff, and it went well, and then they put me in a couple extra scenes, and it was like, um, but it was cool because I got to meet people that are doing it and they're doing well and they're accomplished people and it was also like a, a situation where my training at this point and my joy for this kind of thing got me a little extra time on set and, we, awesome. and we did this kind of stuff and and the uh i think the the crew and the people involved with this show are are really great and smart uh good comedy people and it's definitely a show that everybody should watch but um that's kind of like, that's the dog. That's not me. It's, that, I, um, <laughs> well, she's really, she's really feeling what you're saying. Yeah. Now Callie's like, oh, she's like butter in. Okay, is this a saying? Butter in your hands? No, melting like butter. You're. I honestly don't know what the actual <laughs> saying is because you said so many wrong things. She is crazy for you by Madonna. That's a she's okay. she's into what you're saying. Yeah. She's very comfortable now. That's that thing. That's why she butter was is now I'm thinking to myself is butter in your hands an actual saying. It's not. I don't think it's saying. I don't, I don't think, think it's it a is. saying. It, she's butter in your hands. She's putty. putty. Putty in your in hands. hands. That's what it is. it is. See, I told you I'm terrible at this, but I know oh, there's also some so funny. You know, what you should do at the end of every podcast. You should tell the person what saying this podcast is. Is. Like is okay. That's actually a really good idea. Because you're so bad at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what the problem is. I mix two together, like, like clam and shit. Yeah. Happy as a clam and shit. 
Right. It's I know now because I know what it is, but that's something it's happy I, as a clam and then, and then a, like pig, a and shit. pig and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said she's like butter in your hands, but I meant to say putty in your hands and butter something else is something with butter. Like a hot knife through butter. No, it's like that's the same. Melts me like butter. I don't know. I may. I may. Like that no, could just be a, definitely not. Sometimes melts I melts <laughs> me like butter. Sometimes I mix it with a made up saying. Yeah. So that butter thing is. I think maybe a hot knife through butter <laughs> is what you were thinking. Because that means like one street. Yeah, through. yeah, yeah. Like I've never heard that before, but like it could be. It, it's it could be. It. Sometimes probably. I make up. I just make up sayings. Okay. So like it, it's it's a saying mixed with a saying, but it's um it's something that is uh been my whole life. Yeah. I used to say uh like if your shirt was tucked in too tight, I'd say louse it out for years. I don't know what that means. Louse it out. It's supposed to be just blouse it out, like blouse out your shirt, and I would say louse it out because I just thought that's what people were saying. Oh God. I didn't even know like what a louse was, and that's I didn't. Amazing. I mean, I know. I mean, it's like some parts of my brain are missing, but like no, most great. of them are there. Yeah. It's great. But uh, so anyhow. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that no matter what you're doing, you should strive to be the best at it, right? <laughs> yes, yes, you should. That's the ultimate message that's here. The ultimate message. And if you don't, if you're not like, I think the good thing about this industry is like. Can, no one can really say who the best is. Nobody. Right? Like, in comedy... It's all subjective. It's very subjective. And, like, in stand-up comedy, like, we'll all agree on a lot of who the greats are. Yeah. But we won't necessarily agree that they're our favorite. No. You know? And I no. also think that you're talking about people in... Like, but but you are... Especially in comedy, though, the, the, those few... Like, Robin Williams. Okay? Yeah. He's a great example. You are talking about a person that didn't copy what anybody else. like there's very few like no i mean i've heard they're they're rev they're I revolutionaries mean, they're yes. pioneers if yeah, you will yes for their craft like but it's also like the nice thing is in this uh profession in this profession uh i'm not i'm not compared to Robin Williams because no. I'm not and will never be Robin Williams. I'm doing my own type of thing <laughs> right. and he did his own. She really <laughs> not Shannon. Uh, Callie. Callie really she really ripped Jesus one. I'm Christ. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying. We're taking like a But anyway. Yeah, um, she, yeah, no, but and I agree. And I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier about like when you have the opportunity to like really like be at that pinnacle of of i don't know if it's a pinnacle of success in your career but it's like you have choices like yes. okay like you said you yeah. mentioned snl like er, snl earlier because you're an improv guy and and you and and you're very successful at, at it i've seen you do it and you are in groundling groundling sunday company and yes. that's like it's you, you how many years like how i mean how hard is it to be in that like let's just I talk mean, about it that takes, it takes five years to get that at minimum and uh there's a I mean it's a very small percentage of people that did it take you five years though yeah okay yeah. so because there are like there's like a year and a half wait in between some of the levels that you have to go through so just that that thing that that training ground that you don't even get paid for but it's a big right. part of like I mean a lot of people know Second City Chicago because that's where a lot yeah. of the greats came from yeah. so Groundlings Sunday Company is like that yes yeah, it thing. is but yeah. it is and that's why you work for it to some yeah. degree right so so if you got like SNL for example just because yeah. you brought it up earlier like yeah. I I mean that would be like a like a groundbreaking pinnacle 
of a success yeah, I mean, moment for you, you know, like, yes. I mean, SNL is, um, you know, it's, it's such an institution. It's, it's what I grew up on. It's, so we all, it's like probably why most of us even do comedy and totally. I'm not even meant for, I don't think I'm meant for that, that route, well, but like, that's, that's, that's speaks so highly of SNL too. It's like, it's, um, it's such an amazing thing to, uh, be a part of that. It, of course, like I would, I would love to be a part of it. And I think that you would be good at it. And the reason I'm not just saying this, but like, I, think you would be good at it because you are an improv actor and i think that there's been a very long time and i've thought about this it's there's been a long time since we've seen like a steve martin type of a character and i don't know if you identify with him at all for yourself but i've seen what you do and it's like a you can have these characters that are very confident like a little bit cocky but like also like Oh my god! Like I, I don't know how to else him and John. Like yeah. you know, and like, <laughs> like look, like, but like nobody else is doing that right now. Like in that space, and I feel like he was really like you would be like the next Steve Martin if you were on it. Well, in my that's opinion, a, that's a massive uh, compliment. I mean, listen, I got into the Groundlings because I got out here and I thought, what is the um, school? that I want to get into and who are the people that came from there and so many amazing so comics many. came from like who came from there Kristen well, Wiig came from there well, right uh, what I was going to say is like so many amazing comics came from UCB I know Upper Citizen Brigade and uh, I.O. West and even um, you know and of course Second City you know I you know and I went to Second City right yeah, I'm I'm the, I'm but I'm Second City Hollywood. Yeah, so it's always like different from Second City. Of Chicago. course. So that's why yeah. it's always like and maybe sort of listen. I know that's why yeah. I don't go there anymore. But like it's a wonderful school, by but, the way. Yeah, no. But they, like they we can be honest doing. about Second City Hollywood. OK, it's a great training ground. Well, I but think I, in L.A. it's like I mean, listen, when I like did I the research on it before doing it, I looked at the ground and I was like. Well, and Groundlings Wick, is very char Will charactery Ferrell, too. Yeah, yeah. Will Ferrell, Melissa McCarthy, down, back to Phil Hartman, John Lovitz, Fuck yeah. Will Forte. You know, and then outside of SNL, it's like Lisa Kudrow, and you know, it's it's so many people who I have always loved, right? You know, that I was like, this is where I should kind of like put my time in, and I did, and I met my best friends from there i met uh jenna through the groundlings uh, yeah and, and, th and that's probably how i met you because i yes, already knew jenna through yeah jenna, yeah and um so the groundlings has been fantastic and the more that i've i didn't know what the groundlings was really when i got involved with it i just kind of knew like who the people were that were there and uh what their kind of mentality was and it was all like you said character driven right and so as i've gone through it it's kind of like this feels like I'm doing the what people do uh, on SNL. And so, you know, regardless of if I get the chance to, to even sniff SNL, mm -hmm. uh, it's um, I know that I'm going to be in good shape to be an, a comedic actor and writer after this. Like you're OK, no yeah. matter what happens, because that's not how you need to. That's not the path you need to go. Right. I almost like I'm a person who knows that I don't know this, but like I'm pretty sure that I'm probably never going to 
be one of the people that even like auditions for them. And mostly it's because of what I do and what my skill sets are and where I focus my time. I know I'm good at improv like I, and I know that, but I, I always think to myself, well, it's going to be okay because I'm going to be one of those other people. Well, but you still compare yourself to that. I, I think as a comedian, no matter what you do, yeah. you know, like I but have to I make think, myself feel okay. The fact that I'm probably never going to do it. But I think SNL is like you get an audition there and it's like, truly um it's like right place right time type deal yeah so a guy that i uh, a a very brilliant comedian in uh brooklyn that he has a show called uh brooklyn's worst he they do sketches they're ridiculously funny um we've been friends for we actually met uh through an agent this is so it's like it's like two unsuccessful people that no one cares about being hooked up by their agent (laughs) that's basically what it is you know (laughs) um but that's how i met him and he he was working on all of his impressions and all of his things for his audition for saturday night live he he just had it this guy is fucking beyond he's so funny like i've learned so i think i'm better because of him for sure and like he he had like seven impressions and like 12 different characters. He's been working for this for five years. He he got it. He lives there. He's in New York. Got his audition. Never heard back from them again. And yeah. I mean, he's so funny. Like, I know he would be great. He would be great on it. But it just it's just that's how hard it is. That's the point. It's like it goes back to that that thing where like you can work so hard for it and if you're in a more linear job path, like you're going to get it because that's just the way life works in this, in this job path, you might not get SNL, but you, you'll get something else from it for sure. Like he's getting other jobs and stuff, you know, like, so at the end of the day, but like, I think it it all comes down to like, what do you want? And like what your goals are. I mean, fuck, but being on that show would be like a complete difference maker for any of us, you know? Totally. But being on a lot of shows could be a difference maker. Right. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, like what the message here is, is that if you work really hard and you drink lots of wine and you are on my podcast, no, but like you, but I think the whole thing with you with like, okay, improv led you to the sports gig that you didn't even ask for. Like you weren't seeking that out, but that just sort of happened with like the DraftKings. I think it just means that that's, that's how life just like pans out, you know? Well, it's, it's it's following your gut with what you want to do. And then something random is going to pop up. Like, honestly, I grew up loving sports and I played sports growing up. Right. My goal was not to do things that were connected to sports. I love sports. I'll always wake up in the morning and watch sports. Right. But it was because I was following the stuff that I found interesting and the stuff that I wanted to do that I randomly got to be in NBA 2K17. <laughs> and I all of a sudden booked a job for the dra- for DraftKings. Yeah. Like, it just kind of happens that way. And, I'm, and b- being a sports lover is like the lucky byproduct of my life that got me those jobs. Right. And you have a good energy too. So I think that really like that speaks to like you having a lot of opportunities because your energy, like you're a genuine person, like your energy is good. You like help other people. You're like a nice person. And I think to the point of like people that steal people's jokes and stuff, like maybe they have success, but I think karma happens in different forms, you know? And and I don't, I, again, like I don't think that anybody that is, if there's someone that's like, huge that all of a sudden you hear your joke and you're not a huge comedian it's like 
I I don't think it's their fault. I, I think it's somebody around them that's like, you should say this kind of thing. And they're yeah. like, oh, that's a great idea. Because yeah. this is what the kids are saying. Because like they would never, they would never like compromise their reputation by being like, I went to this club of a person that's dying to be a well-known comedian. <laughs> I'm gonna steal their stuff. And That's then, literally, the, you know? yeah, and and also it's 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 a it's a fact of life, and it's a cynical thing, of of maybe if you if you ever get to the point in your career, which I hope you know people don't, but they but it happens where you're like the 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 moment has passed, people are stealing my jokes, yeah. and then you become cynical. Whereas right. you can just keep if you're funny, you can just keep. Oh, yeah stuff. just keep doing stuff just keep, keep overcoming it. that so yeah. anyway it was so great to have you back on the podcast Thank i like you for really me. appreciate it like this has been a great discussion on just like sports comedy life which is what we love always it. do rose callie callie was... she she has a hate love relationship with you yeah. i think this is like a two for two sort of a thing i think so where she tries to like bite you but then she's like hey i got just eight like nipples she's like constantly. callie the bulldog yeah. of England, eight nipples, house of eight yeah. nipples. But she's a, uh, she's always a part of it in one yeah. way or another. No, she's she's great. she hogs her. the she hogs all everybody's attention. But anyways, what do you have coming up? Like, where can people find you? Uh, people can see me every single Sunday night at seven thirty at the Groundlings. Fuck, I need to go to one of your shows, and I'm really yeah. sorry that I haven't. And I'm gonna do that because no, yeah. when you are on SNL or somewhere else one day, like I I need to be like I saw you. I, you're my you friend. Know, let, me, let me know. I'm coming when because. Uh, yeah, it's every single Sunday night. It's a new sketch show. It literally is an SNL show. It's about an hour and 45 minutes with a 15-minute well, intermission. I can come now because I don't have a day job, so I don't have to get up there on Monday. Go. So there maybe I'll just even come this Sunday. I'll yeah, text come. you about it. 7.30. It's over by 9, 9.30. That's so early. Late, latest, yeah. That's super it's, early. Uh, so, yeah. That would be, yeah. That's the easiest place to find me. Okay. And then what's your like handle, your Instagram and all uh, that it's stuff? J O H N N O W I L S O N. John O. Wilson. John O. Wilson. At John O. Wilson on Instagram and Twitter. And by the way, guys, I just want to thank you so much for listening and for downloading all the episodes. Please keep rating and reviewing the podcast episodes. It's like super helpful. Also, it helps us get up higher on the scale so that more people listen to us and you can hear us more. But I really appreciate everybody that's been reviewing us. It's like crazy. It's it's really helped out with this podcast. And we hope you like what you hear. So if you don't or you do or you have suggestions, you can always email us at playing W balls, not playing with balls, playing W balls at gmail.com. And I always have to say it's because playing with balls is apparently too long for Gmail. Gmail doesn't agree. I think that sounds awesome. Yeah. So thank you, Jono, for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Callie, for always adding your lady flair yes. and all that stuff. And um, until the next time. I hope to be the first, the third person. I, I think it'll happen. I think so, too. Okay. Thanks, right. Jono. Bye. Bye.